And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created are exploited, we are downtrodden, we are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Get together, have a few laughs. Welcome to the Iowa Talk Guys podcast. I'm your host, TP. And I'm your host, Theo. And today we are bringing you guys a special guest. We are interviewing Patrick Militich, the Pat Militich from the uh, Quad Cities in Iowa, Bettendorf, Iowa, originally from. Correct. Oh, uh, yes, right North Iowa. All right. There we go. So, uh, Pat is a uh, former UFC champion uh, belt holder. He is a UFC Hall of Famer, and he is also a podcaster um, along with us. Uh, actually, you have a very a very exciting-looking uh, career, man, honestly. Yeah, I would like, say venture <laughs> capitalist is what it sounds like. And yeah, there you go. That's, that's a good awesome. way to put it. Nothing more yeah. American than yeah. that. I mean, what it said... Venture capitalists without the capital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Half the time they don't have it either, so they yeah, just yeah, look they're good. just borrowing it. They look good. <laughs> yep. So right. it says here you had a total of professional bouts, thirty-eight fights, and you only lost seven of those. I mean, you had two draws, but I mean that's that's pretty wild, man. So. Well, I mean, it. it uh, you know, the the fun part of all of that is I fought a lot of times pretty severely injured and you know back in those days we you know i was trying to pay my bills so you know that that's part of that of just going out there literally um with pretty severe injuries and stuff like that and just uh you know rolling the dice so to speak and that's kind of how it how it kind of went i would imagine that there's not really much uh playing completely healthy in that sport is that fair to say (laughs) I, I generally everybody's a little banged up going into a fight. You know, you want to, you want to taper for about, um, you know, a week to 10 days and, and just drill fundamentals and, uh, no, no hard wrestling, no hard sparring, anything like that, you know, leading up to a fight, put the quarterback uh, jersey on, but you know, you hear about guys, you know, the, the day before a fight, um, suffering a laceration over their eye or getting a knee injury or, something stupid um when they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing you know that close to a fight sure yeah well i remember uh you told a story on i think it was tim james's uh health hero podcast his health hero show about you were just sparring with a guy helping him get ready for his fight and he broke your leg on accident and you still had you still went to japan and fought with a broken leg (laughs) yeah that was uh on my fibula the the small bone in your lower leg going to Uh, japan was that pride no, that was in the uh, rings organization. Okay, okay, okay. And, and, um, so and I with fought, your uh, fibula broken. 
yeah, the bottom of the fibula where it attaches had had uh, I had fractured it, and so the tibia being the big bone, you know, so my leg was still supported, but I really couldn't. Up to that fight, I, I kind of had to stop, you know, doing cardio and a lot of other things. Oh yeah, um, high impact. Cause I, I wasn't I, w- I wasn't moving real well. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds like a legitimate reason. Yeah, that's some hardcore stuff, man. That's awesome. That's well, uh. Would you mind if I uh, took us back a little bit in your career and just asked you, you know, did you wrestle in high school? Wrestling is a big thing here in Iowa for our listeners that are from out of state. It's it's huge. In yeah. fact, we just got a, a women's wrestling program at the University of Iowa within yep. the past couple of years. And um, we have women's wrestling and or girls wrestling in, in high school now. Yeah, they're starting that up now. Uh, and junior high, in fact. So Yeah, my... my- my nine-year-old daughter uh, wrestled last winter. Oh, nice! And, uh, she, she's swimming currently. She's she's really a natural swimmer. She's very tall for her age. She's got gigantic hands and feet for her age. And I joke around um, with people and say that she well, she was a a C-section baby, but she was actually you know when I tell the story, she actually was. Birthed uh, through the vaginal canal, but her hands got stuck. And they had to put her back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she loves so, that yeah, joke. <laughs> that's probably her favorite story that Dad tells. Yeah. Well, I, I tell that joke uh, now because I'm no longer married to her mother. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> oh, there you go. <clears throat> Perfect. All right. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but no, but the uh, I started wrestling when I was, I think what, I was probably I think six years old. And I started wrestling because I was walking to what was then, I think it was Neil Armstrong Elementary, or it was the, the old high school, the old Bentner High School. Oh, yeah. And, yep, Neil and, Armstrong. And, and, yep, and in the gymnasium, they were having a wrestling clinic. All the elementary kids from Bettendorf were gathering there to sign up for wrestling, right? And it was kind of a run by the middle school coaches, Tom McCutcheon and, and uh, Mr. Glenn. And they were the coaches at the middle school, and they were guys that built, literally built Beckendorf Wrestling uh, into more house than it was. So I went there, uh, took part in it, and then when I was leaving, got into an, uh, an argument somehow uh, with Tom McCutcheon's son, John McCutcheon. Oh, so no. little, little did I know that that was Tom McCutcheon's son at the time, but John took me down and basically sat on my chest and, you know, said, uh, you know, do you want more? And I said, no, I actually don't. I, please let me up. Thank you. I've had enough. <laughs> so, um, so excuse me, but the, the moral of that is uh, I learned really quick that I wanted to be a, a pretty good wrestler because I didn't like the feeling of being helpless against a wrestler. Oh, sure. Yeah, so, yeah. There's only one yeah, way to, so I, to do that. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I went out for wrestling from then on and, uh, that's, uh, certainly was the, the building blocks of, of, yes, my martial arts, but also back then all my brothers were six, five. So I assumed I was going to be really big. So I wrestled actually to stay in shape and be a better football player, but I only got to five ten, and of course did not end up playing linebacker for the university of Iowa, which I had dreamed <laughs> of doing. Well, I mean, it's a lofty goal. Yeah, that, that is pretty a pretty big dream, but you went off to uh, accomplish some other pretty amazing dreams. So, you know, there's that for you. Yes. Extraordinary. Well, we, we worked with what we had. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, I'm just starting off, I mean, you became a UFC champ, and I mean, for anybody who has been in a high school anywhere, I mean... In Iowa? Yeah, well, in Iowa, I would say in particular, you know, that's a that's a grueling way already to start off there sports-wise. Yeah, wrestling is definitely, I mean, there is there are no easy days for, I don't think, any wrestler, really. And um, especially in a Bettendorf, Iowa room back in those days where, you know, many times your toughest matches were, were certainly in the practice room. I mean, our second and third string wrestlers were monsters as well. So yeah. corn fed Iowa boys, something like that. <laughs> One thing I did want to ask you, uh, before we move off the sports topic is that, you know, your, your achievements have opened doors for you to meet other people that, have achieved extraordinary things as well and competed competed you know uh at the highest levels in their game and one of those people that i want to ask about if i may uh you're certainly the the highlight of our (laughs) our our uh, podcast here but is i watched a video on youtube of you with iowa wrestling coach tom brands in the iowa wrestling room right and uh i'd imagine that's got to be a pretty neat experience even for a guy like you, huh? Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, for me, you know, growing up, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they know me as a former UFC champ and coach and, you know, all those sort of things. But they don't realize that I, as a kid, was very sick. I had a destroyed respiratory system, had a lot of health issues uh, from black mold damage to my respiratory system and my body. And it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that, I was able to figure out how to uh, mitigate those those uh, symptoms, so to speak, and, and be able to breathe correctly and become, you know, a, a much better athlete because I didn't have those those respiratory issues. And so my dream was to, you know, be a national wrestling champion. Um, you know, I wanted to wrestle for Iowa as a kid, and I just could never attain the levels that I wanted to. And my brother, my my second oldest brother, Tom who went, he graduated from the University of Iowa, he would take me when I was real young up to watch Iowa wrestling meets. And, you know, back in the day when, you know, the, the uh, you know, uh, gosh, I'm thinking King Mueller days and oh, uh, wow. Randy, Randy Lewis and, you know, a lot of those guys, Lou and Ed Bannock and, you know, those those guys back in those days. So I idolized, absolutely idolized Dan Gable and, and Iowa wrestling altogether. So... You know, for me to meet guys that are that good at wrestling and, and uh, you know, just be around them and stuff and talk to them, it's, it's pretty cool. And Tom and Terry are, certainly can be very intense individuals. When, oh, yeah. When <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, one time I had a conversation with Royce Alger after he, a couple of years past his career in when he tried fighting in the UFC and uh, took a couple losses. And, and uh, so... I was talking to Royce down on the floor before an Iowa wrestling meet and Tom and Terry Brands came up like bookends on either side of me. And both of them were literally staring at my face while I'm talking to Alger. And, and, uh, <laughs> finally Terry, Terry looks at me and he goes, Hey, Milicic. I go, yeah. He goes, when's Alger going to get back in the UFC? And I looked at him just matter of, matter of fact. And I go, when he learns how to fight. Terry. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> and so, so Terry didn't know what to say to that one. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, but but yeah, both those guys. I can't imagine being attacked by those two. Oh my! Oh goodness. yeah, that's why I was going to ask. Like, does 
does Tom look like one of those guys that would just rip your face off with his bare hands if you you rub him the wrong way? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you know, I in a talk with Tom uh, one time when he came to a golf fundraiser, a wrestling fundraiser, um, you know, I said to him, I said, "Man, you God, you would have been good at MMA." And he goes, "No, nah, man, I don't want anything to do with that shit." <laughs> <laughs> well. I bet it would have been really entertaining for the rest of us, you know, yeah. if he would have joined. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's the one. And then speaking, yeah, you were coaching. So funny story that you uh, that I have that I wanted to talk to you tonight about was that you unwittingly saved me from a world of pain and humiliation when you started the uh, IFL, the International Fight League. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you remember Johnny, who cares, what was it, uh, uh, Boomer, or what was his last name? Johnny. He was was at, he, did he train with? Did he train with me? Yeah, he trained with you, and he had a he 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 was gonna he was fighting for you, and he put his nickname his first one as Who Cares, and you were like, No, dude, that's disrespectful to the sport, you dick. <laughs> and he was like, Oh yeah, uh, but he had a bow out of a fight, and I had done some amateur fighting. I went down to actually train down at uh, at Militech Systems, did a few Muay Thai right. classes. I was a punk kid, thought I oh I know some Muay Thai now, yeah. Went and got my ass kicked a bunch of times up there to Amsterdam That when they were doing those am- amateur fights. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Sylvia used to hang out there all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah, the guy I was working with was friends with that Johnny guy, and he was like, he tried to get me to come fight up. It was some guy that was like a Illinois, Western Illinois wrestling champ, gone, started doing MMA, this and that, and I was like, yeah, I could take him. And you... So that Johnny guy tried to put me in for his spot, and you're like, no, we do not have amateur fighters in this league. And thank God, because that would have been <laughs> so embarrassing <laughs> and painful for me. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you for saving my life, Pat. <laughs> well, no no problem, no problem. No, and that was the thing is, what kind of my, my first amateur fight that taught me a good lesson because I – I uh, fought a, re- a really good guy, and he was quite a bit taller than me, and honestly was was a better striker at the time than I was. And I, I but I hit him in the first round with a spinning back fist Ooh. that had it land had it landed right, it probably would have knocked him out. But it landed wrong. I hit him on the forehead, uh, kind of the crest of his forehead and his hairline with my forearm bone instead of my fist hitting him on the jaw. Oh, that probably felt good on you too, huh? Yeah, well, I, I shattered my arm, and so, no. so I had to finish. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, no. So I had to finish. I had to finish that five round fight with a with a fractured arm. Oh man! And I got really fatigued uh, because my right hand was really my my best weapon. Right. And so um, I just survived, but I was exhausted, and so my training went way through the roof at that point because I never wanted to be. Um, that exhausted again and I didn't want to feel like I was helpless because I didn't have what I considered my best weapon so I oh yeah it's a real crap feeling man yeah so that's what really actually made me a much better striker because I I focused on my left hand my jabs my uppercuts my hooks everything like that and my kicks and so I became a much more well-balanced striker because of that lesson um and certainly my endurance went through the roof and that's the stuff that I always did with people uh, with my fighters is I would, if somebody was wanting to be a fighter, I was going to make sure that 
they were definitely prepared endurance wise and skill set wise because I never uh, wanted to have a kid get severely injured or or worse because I had trained him correctly for her, and so and it really got cemented for me when I went to I was paid to go be a special guest as a uh, yeah special guest at a kickboxing event. So I didn't know any of these guys that were fighting, but a kid that was fighting, he was overweight and had really, really bad fundamentals. He wasn't, he wasn't trained correctly at all. And he actually collapsed in the ring. He got dropped with a right hand got back up, but then he collapsed. And so I jumped in the ring and the referee was um, trying to do chest compressions when I was trying to find a pulse and I pushed the referee away from him and I said, dude, we don't even know if he, he might have a pulse right now. Stop it. Yeah, no so kidding. anyway, so anyway, um, some volunteer firemen jumped in the ring with me and I couldn't find a pulse and they couldn't find a pulse. So we started performing CPR on him and he died. I watched his pupils dilate oh, uh, at the, the moment he died. Right. <clears throat> so that for me, left a really uh, a mark on me where I never wanted to have to tell somebody's parents, you know, that they got hurt because they weren't correct, trained correctly. So I was kind of, oh, yeah. a lot of people thought that I was uh, an asshole. Because <laughs> well, I made, because sometimes I, you because gotta I be. Made, yeah. Right. Well, but I made training so difficult uh, endurance wise. You know, we did things that were, that were horribly difficult for endurance. And I weeded people out on purpose because I never wanted people to be in the ring or the cage that did not belong, you know, in there. Yeah, so I, that's, that's kind of how my philosophy has. And it's a great grown. philosophy, and you and you probably saved a lot of people there. But that's uh, that's one thing that I did see. Like I said, I took some Muay Thai classes down there, and I saw that circuit that you put some boys through, <laughs> and I was like, uh, I would be dead. Well, just you on know. this. You know, on this side of the state, in this area, yeah, people that have been around for a while have heard through the grapevine that you know militage systems back in the day was yeah militage a real fighting ringer. system. I remember when Tim <laughs> Sylvia won. Uh, was that the the heavyweight right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, Joe Rogan going, "What is in the water in Iowa?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, yeah!" We were at, I think, oh, I don't know, remember. We were my my roommate and I were at some bar watching that that UFC fight, and we the, the whole place just erupted. We're like, "Yeah, Iowa rocks!" <laughs> so right, um, but yeah. And so I I totally understand that that going through uh, or doing what you did there yeah yeah some people I mean like I said I was a punk ass eighteen year old kid so I was like oh Pat's just a jerk the guy's an asshole but like looking back at it you know maturing going through the Marine Corps coming out of that maturing I was like man did that guy save my ass <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate it but uh, so, so how long were you in the Marines? Uh, I did the uh, just four years active, four years inactive. That eight year obligation. I joined during the Obama push in okay. two thousand nine. Well, thank you for our, thank you for your uh, service, brother. Oh hey, my pleasure. You know, it was uh, fond memories. <laughs> but uh, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you. All right. <laughs> going back let's uh the your your conspiracy farm podcast man that was awesome you guys ran for like what seven eight years or something 
Yeah, something like that. I mean, it it went faster than uh, I. Yeah, we we uh, definitely did did a lot of deep diving on some subject matter. That's for sure. Yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from you guys. I loved your guys' round table stuff, Eddie Bravo, and you, I mean, you would always, you guys would have some. It was you and James, um, or not James, Jeffrey. Oh my gosh, your co-host, yeah, Jeff Wilson. Yeah, Jeff Wilson. Yeah, uh, and which you guys are both doing self defense warrior right now, currently, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know what, you guys, uh, you just recently got Self-Defense Warrior on Spotify, correct? Or at least you're doing, like, portions. I listened to one the other day. Yeah, the uh, the free portions, there's going to be, um, you know, parts of episodes that are going to be on, you know, YouTube and Spotify and all those different platforms. But the, the main core of our shows where we're talking about the solutions to different issues that are going on right now in society and with people's health or whatever, whatever the issues are going on, um, how to protect themselves is that's going to be on red voice media. So that's a subscription based channel. Cool. Yeah. That's, cool. um, I'm gonna have to get a subscription to that cause the, the yeah. free material that I listened to definitely left me wanting more. So, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I, I, I you know, and, uh, you know, I, when people used to come to my seminars, uh, when I was younger, I would say thank you for the feeding the starving martial artist uh, fund. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. So when you guys would do some seminars with Conspiracy Farm, I mean, you went all over the place, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah a lot of different subject matter. Yeah, and um, like I said, it, it's uh, is that still available for people to be able to listen to on the internet somewhere? Uh, that that now is the archives have been put on Red Voice Media as well. Okay. So people can go and when they uh, when they subscribe to that, they can go back into those old episodes and hear you know the stuff that we were talking about years ago uh, when we were being you know laughed at by most people who were getting their <laughs> their you know their information loop was you know the the six o'clock news. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and listening to us and you know people looking at me like I was you know completely insane which i am but i actually had different you know my information loops of former intelligence officials and former special forces and research scientists and you know economists like peter schiff and just a lot of different people from different walks of life who were informing us uh really of what was going down in the world um you know it was i think it's a it's a combination of uh people have that that um you know, confirmation bias, the, you know, they, they don't want to, they don't want to hear the truth. It scares the, the hell out of them. Yeah. A lot of yeah. Times. It's very inconvenient. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely bursts their bubble of what they think the world is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember who the gentleman is, uh, older black gentleman. He's actually famous and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he says his saying is, you know, when God picks you, um, and I don't know how that all works, but this is his wording. Uh, when God picks you and you put on the glasses and you see the world, how it really is. And you can never, once you put those glasses on, you can never take them off and you can't make other people wear them and see what you see. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's, it's a bit of, you know, processing a lot of this information, um, and then trying to feed it back out to people where they can understand it and digest it. You know, that's that's the art, I guess. Well, it's interesting yeah. you named Peter Schiff because that guy is just, 
I mean, I mean, genius isn't even the right word. He's just so commonsensical oh, in, yeah. in a classical way. And and you can go back. I mean, well, I I remember years ago at least there were videos of him on on YouTube going all the way back to I want to say 1999. And then prior to the housing collapse of 08 and 09. Oh, yeah, he was And this guy's it. like, stay out of real estate. Yep. It is toxic. And he's just getting laughed off of all of these, you, you name it, the alphabet media stations, you know, by all these Ivy Leaguers and whatnot. And he he, he, just, right. he calls it spot on. Yeah. You know, it, and he's, he has a habit yeah. of doing it. And he's and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty either. That's what I like about him because he, him, and Luke Rudowski went down to Venezuela when their when their government collapsed, when they were literally weighing out money to buy groceries. Yeah. You know, and uh, he went to Occupy Wall Street as well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the guys. Uh, yeah, we like Peter Schiff around here. Yeah, so you know that in 2007 when he was on CNN with other two other economists, and he was saying, "Look, the housing bubble is about to go, and it's going to be ugly." Uh, people are about to lose their asses, and these other two economists were laughing at him. And I'm yeah. listening to him, and I'm I'm listening to this guy, going, "This guy knows what he's talking about." And I was researching at the time and looking at Deutsche Bank stock, you know, prices and how they were collapsing for over a period of time, and all these others, and you know, paying attention to all this stuff, where most people absolutely were not. And I was trying to get out of a house that was, oh my god, it was it was a great buy at the time. Um, but it was, it was a house that started out about a million dollars here in Iowa, which is a, a massive amount of money for an Iowa house because the cost of living so low. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, but it was like, it was almost an 8,000 square foot house Dang. and it sat on a very big wooded lot in the middle of town, very well hidden and really cool house. And it was a divorce situation. So they had been trying to sell the house, I think for four years. Get so anyway, out of here. <laughs> so. So I ended up getting it for half price. Um, but as I was watching and paying attention to all this stuff, I had my house for sale in 2007 because the house was so big. Dude, we actually we lost a babysitter in our house one time. We couldn't find her. Oh, <laughs> dude. She was sleeping, on, a, and her parents were helping us look for her. And we were really scared because our kids were in their beds, but we couldn't find her. But she turned out she was sleeping on a couch down in the basement. <laughs> and, uh, so, but anyway, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. But anyway, I had that house up for sale in 2007 and I'm listening to Peter Schiff talking. I'm like, man, I got to get rid of this house. This is, yeah, that'd be a little stressful. Yeah. yeah. I better not try to put myself back into la la land and ignore this right now. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and, and so, um, it took us two years to sell it. So we went through the housing collapse Oof. and we ended up, we ended up still being able to sell it for more than we bought it for, but but That's still, good. it was a, it was kind of a scary situation. Oh well, yeah, um, my wife's a realtor, and and she just had a, a convention thing that we went to, and they said that in two thousand eight, houses were depreciating in value by one percent a month, a month. Right, right. I was like, yeah. holy smokes, dude, that would be. Well, I, I mean, had an ulcer. <laughs> think about places like L.A. and Vegas. And, and you know wow. how it works out there and how many people there are out there and a lot you know there's a lot of people that like flashy lifestyles I, which i was just gonna say you know like uh, pat you said earlier you know a million dollars which in iowa money is you know that's cool that gets you that that's gets a lot pretty far yeah. um we're yeah. we're very fortunate to live where we are because yeah that's true it, it seems like we are quite a bit more insulated from stuff like that 
for yeah. the most part, you know, I'm not to make light of your situation of holding on to a house for two years, but you know, right. Just, uh, <laughs> the, the entire cul-de-sacs in, in Las Vegas and you know, they're just oh. sitting there. Nobody's paying a mortgage on them or anything. In fact, they're 90 days back and all this stuff, you know, that's, we're, we're a little bit better off. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And the, yeah, the, 2008 the home market crashed that i was building houses at that time when i got out of high school i started building houses and uh oh wow so when that happened i was like my you know we had a kid and my wife was pregnant i was like shit i better join the marine corps <laughs> yeah i better do the smartest <laughs> thing that i possibly can to join the marine corps <laughs> yeah uh and then they're like oh yeah yeah we're we're doing this obama's doing this big push through afghanistan and i was like oh okay What's my job? Oh, you get to walk out in front of the grunts with a metal detector and make sure nobody gets blown up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. But uh so yeah, that must have been that must have been a, a wild ride though for you for I mean, like I said, now owning a house and going through all that, like whew, that would have been rough, dude. Yeah. And hopefully and signs kind of point to we may be coming up on the verge of that here soon. Oh, I'd say Another it's a sure one. thing. I don't know about you, Pat. Well, I mean, this bubble. There, there's so many bubbles. I mean, it's it's, it's dollar. Oh, it's real it's estate. Yeah, food. Uh, the you know yeah. supply chain. Yes. Yep. All yes. the other stuff that, that goes with it. Yeah. So it's it's a little um, you know recognizing this because after the 2008 collapse, we watched all the quantitative easing and just digitally creating trillions of dollars out of thin air and going. Yep. What are these psychopaths doing? This is going to work. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, um, it, you know, obviously it's it's inevitable, uh, but more than anything else, this is, you know, really kind of the death of um, the current monetary system. Yeah, I, absolutely. I want to point out that Pat Militich was the first one to break out psychopath on the show, too, and it wasn't you or I, TP. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're psychopaths. They, you, they really are because <laughs> that's the sickest part is these people knew exactly what was going to happen when Absolutely. they made these decisions. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they knew they're they not were, yeah. stupid. They're friends. They play dumb on TV. Their kids go to the same private schools together. Yep. They all know each other. Are, yeah, exactly. We ain't in they that club. They sit at the dinner, dinner tables together and break bread, you know? Yeah. And, well, uh, the thing is, they, you know, all, if we look at on a national level, level um, our politicians are literally just slaves to the corporations. Oh yeah, uh, and and you know, big tech, big pharma, you know, all the the big banks and everything else. So Absolutely. they they're 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 operating and making these and and you know, then we look at the bureaucratic departments of of government the who per, are the permanent know, government. Yeah, so that's and that's it's some pretty uh, can be some pretty uh, scary stuff when you think about it. You know, so if citizens, if you know, what we were preaching was just peaceful noncompliance. You know, Absolutely, yeah. That's what we no, pre preach here too. No, no, do not close your business. No, do not put a mask on. None of that sort of stuff, um, because this is being used as a Trojan horse to implode the economy. And yep, they start printing money like crazy. Trump was go. guilty yep. of well, you yep, know, of course, so, absolutely. Yeah, and yes. he handed handed the treasury basically over to BlackRock. They all do it. Right, right. So I just, uh, I was sitting there going, I can't believe. And what what bothers me most, to be honest with you, is that a lot of the mothers had to stand up for their children because the fathers wouldn't, right? Yeah, right, yeah. And, you know, they, 
and I, I just shake my head and just go, how, how do people fall for this stuff this easily? And when our governor, uh, Joni Ernst said, okay, mandatory masks, close your businesses, um, non-essential businesses where at what point does anybody think that they're not essential? You right, know, that's, right. That's that, that, that psychological, that's that, that psychological bullshit. Yeah, that's right? scary wording. I, I just want to, not to correct you, Pat, you said Joni Ernst, but uh, you meant Kim Governor Reynolds. Kim Reynolds, no, yeah. Governor Kim Reynolds, but, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, um, you're good. But yeah. When she, yeah announced the man, when, she announced the, when she announced the mandates, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to see how many people are falling for this. And so I go into the grocery store and everybody's wearing masks and oh, I'm getting yeah. screamed and I'm getting screamed at for not wearing a mask and, and glared I, at like your disease. I did it too. We did it too. Excuse yeah, me. I yeah, walked, yeah. I walked down, I walked against the arrows down the aisles. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I tried yeah, to I not. tried to pretend everything was as normal as possible. <laughs> oh yeah, and you got stared at like you're some type of moron. You bet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I had a myriad of different conversations with people who would confront me about not wearing a mask, right? And I'm sure you guys did too. But everything from oh yeah, you know, and it was always, it, almost always, anyway, seemed to be a guy who was shopping with his wife who wanted to be a tough guy, and <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they you I know, bet so, he, had, I bet he had a college education too. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. But you know, I, you know, I had one guy scream at me at Hy-Vee, um, you know, put on an effing mask uh, with his wife standing next to him at the end of the checkout aisles, but where the where you turn in your bottles and all that sort of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was, and it was it was congested kind of with a lot of people right there, and I'm walking through. Wow. I've got no mask on, and this guy literally screams, "Put on an effing mask!" <laughs> And I stopped and I looked at him and I go, there's a box of them at the front door. I go, go get one and try and put it on me and see how it works out. <laughs> Let me guess. And, he shut up. <laughs> yeah. And he looked at his wife and his wife kind of looked at him like, you stepped on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and then Little did he know was he was dancing with death. <laughs> right. And then I was in a, a gas station in Kansas and a guy that was probably, I don't know, close to 400 pounds maybe as tall as me, five uh, ten, uh, with a mask over his giant beard and like he that? shakes his head. He shakes his head at me. That's ridiculous. Like he's, yeah, he's getting ready to getting ready to pay for something at the counter in this gas station in Kansas and he shakes his head at, at me and I go, Something wrong with your neck? And he goes <laughs> He goes, No. He goes Why aren't you wearing a mask? I said, Because I don't need one And he goes, It's not for you, it's for everybody else. I go Everybody else, let's start with you. I said, you've been eating donuts. You've been, eat, you, you've been eating donuts your whole life. And now me wearing a mask is going to save your fat ass. Right. You <laughs> yeah. Go eat another Whopper, and, bud. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't, you know, know what to say to that, of course. It's just, you know, that's the thing is, I wasn't raising hell with people when they were eating like shit and destroying their health. Right. And they're the only ones that were vulnerable to this stuff. And... Yet, because, and I was, I had a conversation in the early 90s with a guy named Dr. Ed Thomas, and he said, obesity is the worst national security crisis that we have on our hands. And he yeah. said, they, the, the people that are obese will literally collapse the entire country. And, and it's true, because when we look at health care, which is the largest GDP in the country, yep. which is... $4 trillion a year is spent on health care. 
And then when the Corona bullshit started, um, they were the reason that they were, they were the people that we had to shut everything down for to protect. So to, so to speak. Right. Right. And so, so ultimately, yes, the fat people of this country have destroyed it. And I hate to say it. I I'm just being honest that the obese people literally were the excuse and the reason to lock everything down. Well, you can come to that conclusion objectively. I mean, it's it's the data is there. The what I want right, every the, all the death or I shouldn't say all. The majority of deaths were I mean, obese people had had comorbidities, right? But, or, yeah, of course. That's a that is in and in and of itself is a comorbidity, but I just wanted to say remember though, the story wasn't obese people. They didn't make it about obese people. Of course not. They made it about grandma and grandpa. Oh, yeah. You're killing grandma. Yeah, you're killing the elderly. So that was the sort of feel-good story that we were sold. Or not feel-good, but, you know, the emotional ploy. Yeah, the guilt trip they try to put on us. But, yeah, that's eloquently put. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we just did an episode, uh, just aired today, I think it was, the COVID amnesty, uh, where we went through that, uh, that Emily Ostra's Atlantic piece. And kind of gave our opinion on it. It's crazy that, you know, these people, the things that, that, that everybody had to go through and that they're calling, you know, and they're yelling at, put on an effing mask. Well, we know now, especially now, right now, absolutely didn't do anything but, and Fauci even said it himself. And right. we, we play that clip it's in our out. show. It's that it's putting out. a mask on is just for basically personal security that's it to make other people feel better make you feel better about what's going on so you feel safer you know it's a muzzle really is what it was they they muzzled our kids and now they they, muzzled us now they just want you know forgiven oh just we didn't know well and what's interesting as well is that that same publication i think we said this on a prior episode but the same publication pat i'm not sure if you're familiar with this but they did the covid amnesty thing what last week there was an emily oster piece and then, but I remember in the heat of the COVID deal, and I think it, the vaccine just came out, and like the the CEO of or, or chairman or whatever of the Atlantic said in personal tweets that people that are not vaccinated need to be cut oh, yeah. off from society. We mentioned that. Yep. And right. That, right. And, yeah. And now his place, his house, they're just writing pieces about, oh, well, we didn't know. You know, Sorry, you guys should just forgive us and get innocent. over this because yeah. it's, it's going to create a doom loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's just innocent. We were wrong, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, it's, look, we can see now. So something that I, I don't know what it was, maybe I recognized because, you know, I've said this before publicly. My father was an alcoholic, and he was very abusive. I I've forgiven him a long time ago, but Hashtag because he me had to, go, yeah. So he he obviously had to go through a lot of trauma in his life to right. to do that to do that to his own children, right? So, and I I feel for that, and so but um, so having been the victim of child abuse, for me, I recognize and can spot child abuse and human, just abuse of human beings very fast. So my spidey senses for this stuff immediately stood on end. Oh, yeah. Um, and about, about a year, uh, over a year out from this, I knew that it was all going to start in the spring of 2020, given all the different people that I had been interviewing and stuff, right? Right, yeah. And so, so you know, for me, I have a real problem, man, with people who abuse other human beings. And, um, 
and and the scary thing of it is is people don't realize they're being abused yeah um, right you know and and through you know they they say you know through uh it's so well veiled to most people where it's oh no you do it do it for the common good and do it for your oh, neighbor yeah. and do it do it for the elderly and do it for those who are vulnerable. Propaganda. Good citizen. It's called yeah. propaganda. For the motherland. Yes, and all that same language has been used numerous times. The Bolshevik Revolution, the yep. Mao Zedong, Hitler, yes. you know, Rwanda, you know, yeah. um, and I've seen... Pol Pot, know, we've covered, Pol Pot in Cambodia. Yep. Sure, we've covered we've covered these genocides before where, you know, I, I would sit there and Jeff, uh, my co-host, and say, dude... You don't even need guns. They hacked a million people to death with machetes, machetes. in Rwanda in, yes. in, eight, in eight months. Yeah. You wake they, up. They dropped off stop. truckloads of machetes yeah. and propagandized over the radio and all. Oh, man. Yeah, it's Extraordinary. Sick. Well, you don't even need guns or machetes. Look what Stalin did. Just starved them out. Or, yeah, or send them to, to Siberia where it's just freezing. There's no fences. There's no barbed wire. There's nothing. But where are you going right. to go? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Frozen well, death. Well, and we, uh, we, you know, we're looking at what people don't recognize is, you know, all these people that are not working, there's a lot of people that aren't working because they're not healthy enough to work. Uh, human yeah. health is so bad in America right now. Um, and, you know, as these supply chains continue to deteriorate, if you're not growing your own food, man, you are in trouble, especially in big cities. Well, not just growing it. If you're not canning it and preserving it, you're going to be in trouble, too. Yeah, absolutely. right. right. Hopefully yeah, it doesn't yeah. get to the point where if you're not protecting your garden, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that and you may have you're to. in trouble. Yeah. I think that, um, and that's know, happened hard. in the past. Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Well, it's hard to imagine it not happening because when there's food shortages and this is what I said is I, I would say it often on my show is, you know, look what people do to each other on Black Friday sales at yeah. Walmart. Yep. Yep. And now, 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 take those same people and have them go three days without food. There you go. Yeah. And you are going to see some crazy shit. Well, well and people that live out in the suburbs, away from cities, also that th going off that line. Where do you think these people are going to go when they run out of all the food in the city? <laughs> sure. Exactly. You know what I mean. Well, yeah. Then, not to mention, you know. A guy who spent time in a gulag, I believe we've mentioned it before, but a guy who actually spent time in a gulag, in fact, he was a decorated Soviet soldier from World War II, but he got arrested for whatever reason and disappeared in the middle of the night. And luckily enough, he was able to write about it, but Alexander Solzhenitsyn, oh, yeah. author yeah. of the Gulag Archipelago, you know, yeah. one of the most one of the most just amazing things he's ever said, in in my opinion, is... The line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man. Yeah. So when people are put into extreme situations like that, man, we have, you know, we living a privileged life in the United States. We don't really understand what we're capable of. I, I think. mean, even if you go south of the border and go into real Mexico, like not Cancun, you'll see that there's some rough right. living out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like no, me. I, uh, you know, I was lucky to travel all over the world for, you know, MMA and, um, done a lot of, uh, you know, traveling. And so I've seen, you know, some pretty, pretty rough areas. I've been to, you know, the Middle East, uh, to numerous countries there. I've been to South America, you know, been yeah, I was, was going to say Brazil. Brazil and, yeah. Brazil yeah. is a rough place. I've heard. 
They don't mess around yeah. in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, we were in uh, when we were in Sao Paulo for a UFC that I fought in over there. We were told do not leave the hotel, and this was actually in a nice area of Sao Paulo. Do not leave the hotel during the day alone, and do not go out of the hotel at night. Do not because um, you will very likely get robbed or attacked. Yeah. Yep, I've been to places in Mexico for work like that where they told us don't don't come here, don't leave past this time. Because yeah, and that's nothing that's people in America couldn't even imagine that. Like I can't leave my own hotel room. Sure. Like yeah, you might get stabbed and killed. I mean, there are places in America like that, but the majority of Americans have no idea what the real world is. They're all caught up in uh I, I think the term is TikTok. cognitive cognitive dissonance well sure yeah right they they have an idea of what they think the world is and when they're presented with information or evidence disproving their fantasy world where they th- yeah. they or think to, to the reality contrary is contrary yeah yeah i mean either three things happen their fight or flight instinct kicks in most of the people they fight against it or some type of acceptance of maybe um maybe i should look into this i believe it was uh who is it Einstein, didn't he say the height of ignorance is, or no, uh, condemnation condemnation before investigation is the height of all ignorance? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're dealing with a lot of that. And I I remember when I was working at Showtime Sports, the executive producer there is David Dinkins Jr., and uh, he's the son of David Dinkins Sr., who was the former mayor of New York City, right? Right. So uh, he said, hey, we're going to, we're going to, um, do a show uh, down down near Mexico City, and I said, "Are you you're for real? You guys are actually going down there?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know the, what you're asking time, for. Well, there, at the time, there was a lot of Americans, uh, businessmen, and stuff who had been kidnapped and murdered, and um, you know, a, a lot of violence down there. Yeah, and uh, and I had experienced um, some some police officers trying to rob us oh uh, yeah when they'll we shake you down yep. yeah so so uh i said I, I i don't know if that's such a good idea you might i said do you guys have protection detail and he said no not at all and i said well you might want to get some protection detail so he goes well do you know anybody i said well yeah you know i do know some i, I know some very very uh good good people in that world and so i put him in touch with a guy who's a friend of mine who's a former seal who ran a uh, you know, protection company, um, and uh, security company. So I put them in touch with them. And after the conversation, Showtime pulled the plug on the show. Seriously? Uh, wow. I, I, wow. Well, I think the reality of talking to a guy who's a professional, you know, in that world and saying, this is what it's going to take. Um, you know, this is what we're going to have to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're like, all, yeah, all he's, sort of yeah, he's right. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Showtime. Yeah. Like, no thanks. No, we're good. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So they, you know, they they learned and uh, they moved the show to America. Oh yeah, I, uh, I I travel for a living and I work with a bunch of guys that will not go down to places in Mexico. I mean. I probably didn't help the time when I told him about how I saw a dead body on the road and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get tacos, and I mean, that's not funny. But. Well, it's not funny, but I mean, disclaimer. But I was going to get tacos. It was like nine something at night or whatever. And uh, heading down the road, and there's all this police presence, federales out and stuff. And then I pull up, and I'm like, and they're sitting there staring at this dead body on the road with this gray matter everywhere. And I was like, well, 
I'm just going to head back to the hotel. Don't feel like tacos much anymore. But <laughs> found out uh, that uh, so that was like on a Sunday. We went we went back to the plant Monday morning, and there was Mexican Marines, Federales mo- mobilized, moving around with mounted weapons and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? This was a uh, Easter weekend. We were at we I we ended up being extended on our trip and had to work over the holiday, which kind of sucked. But you know, it's money. But I asked the guy at the plant. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I like, I see all this, you know, big military presence and all this stuff. He's like, oh, there were 16 murders this weekend. This and that. I'm like, on Easter weekend, 16 people got iced here. Boom. Well, and then come to find out, also, it was in an area of Mexico where there was four cartels battling for. Uh, for uh, uh, possession, yeah, yeah control of that area. Sounds like that'll do it, probably. Yeah, so there was a bunch of crap going on, and I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, right? But um, well, we were down, we were down in Mexico for a movie. I got asked to literally no movie experience whatsoever, and a good friend of mine who had got put on a movie set. They, had, the producers had fired um, a director and put my friend John Hirschfeld as a as a, the director of the movie down in uh, Baja, uh, Mexico, and Rosarita and uh, Ensenada and all those towns down around there. Oh, wow. And uh, so uh, myself, Rob Lawler, uh, let me think, Rory Markham, uh, Ben Rothwell, um, several, several of us, uh, Tim Sylvia was in the movie, and I was uh, helping to do the fight choreography. That's and, awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but it was a, it was a Paul Walker film, and it was a, he was a, uh, he was really a stand up guy. I want to say that about Paul Walker. Nice. But, oh, um, yeah, I, heard I always he was. liked him. I had a good feeling about him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So we were. Uh, it was uh, Tim Sylvia, myself, Rob Lawler, and a writer who, who had penned several books, uh, Sam Sheridan, and we were driving after we went and ate some food. And uh, we got pulled over by police. And well, actually, we didn't even get in the car yet. We were getting ready to leave, and the cop walked up and said, you guys follow me to the police station. And so Sam Sheridan spoke Spanish, so he understood what he was saying. And so I said to Tim Sylvia and Rob Lawler and Sam, I said, listen, I've heard some nightmare stories about if they get you in the police station, they will put you in a cell and they will start calling your family and friggin' uh, extorting money out of them. Yep. Out of them. Yeah. It's no and joke. Said, so, so we, we absolutely will not go in that police station. So if it comes down to it, we're going to have to, we're going to have to literally blast these guys and <laughs> knock them all unconscious and jump back in the car and haul ass to the border. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Holy <laughs> shit. So, so anyway, we get there and these cops come out and they start trying to rifle through our pockets and, Tim Sylvia slaps one of their arms away, <laughs> and uh, and um, and then all of a sudden one of them recognizes me, and he goes, uh, "Senor Milicic," and I go, "Yeah," and I go, "And that's ruthless Robbie Lawler, and that's <laughs> the maniac, the maniac and Tim Sylvia," like, <laughs> and then and then they were like, "Oh shit!" Like, "Oh shit!" Maybe we're, we should shake to- these guys down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Lawler was getting ready to unload on these guys. Oh and, my gosh, know, dude! You know. There would have been some. There, would, there probably would have been some fatalities, yeah. right? So I <laughs> would have shattered somebody's head. Yeah, he had another very successful career in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Bo- yeah both so, of them did. So anyway, we ended up we ended up getting out of that one. But I I swore after that five weeks in Mexico, I don't care what's going on. I'm not going there. I'm absolutely not going there unless you're paying me a million dollars to go down there. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, it's, it's dangerous. <clears throat> there are some sketch areas, but it's uh, there's rules. There's rules you gotta follow, and as long as you follow them rules. But yeah, I mean that's I. We've had guys also that are following the rules and the uh, federales. They've been robbed by federales. The first time I was down there, I watched municipal policia pulling people over and taking money out of their wallets. We went to dinner. We came back. We drove past the same place. They were pulling other people over, taking money out of their wallets. I was like, wow, that's a nice racket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not not good not good human beings, that's for sure. Unfortunately. I mean, but, hey, there are some great souls down there. I've met some really good people. I have friends down in Mexico. And, uh, honestly, most of them are just like you and me, man, and Theo here. We're just They're just trying to make an honest living. But right. unfortunately, because of the corruption within their government, they have officials that are allowed to do well, all this stuff, and yeah. they just, you know what I mean. Our government uh, hasn't helped our, the situation yeah, our government either. Not really. Yeah, Fast <laughs> and Furious. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Eric Holder. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so let's get into this uh, the soil savior because yeah, you were talking am, about personal health before we. Yeah, and I know uh, went on that tangent. You, you said you had that black mold poisoning that caused you respiratory issues, and you started taking organics. Correct? Is that? Is yeah. That, and uh, yeah, and which we'll get into that with the super soldier because I have taken. I was when you started um, the or you were I think promoting the black oxygen, right? Yeah. I did buy some of that after I'd have gotten COVID, and. I never went. I had never went to the hospital or anything, but I noticed that my breathing, and I was a heavy smoker for years, and I just recently quit prior to COVID. But I noticed I was like, man, I mean, it it it, it did some damage to my lungs. I messaged you on on I think it was Instagram or whatever, and we had a conversation. I bought some, and uh, dude, I I can get on the treadmill now, and like it's it's like nothing. Like it, my lungs feel so much better from whatever damage happened from that this black oxygen that fulvic acid right yeah yeah that stuff is awesome so yeah you know it is also is is the you know the the nutrients of of uh 1500 different types of plants this is black oxygen we're talking about here or the fulvic acid fulvic humic acid in general if it comes from a organic source that you know so there's Inorganic sources of it that are dead seafloor beds, um, Leonardite, which is coal, which, you know, those products um, are better for agriculture um, generally. Um, they're they're going to benefit, and they'll add pre and probiotics to it to, to call it organic, right? So okay. if, you, if it's derived from a peat bog and you know where how deep to go for, for the concentrated nutrients, of all those 1,500 different types of plants that have decomposed for roughly 60,000 years, um, and you pull that up out of the ground, you know, it, it is not fossilized yet, so it's still alive, all okay. those nutrients, and they've, and they've uh, been converted. And this is, uh, again, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a chemist. I didn't know he was a chemist at the time, but he was laughing at me. And... Uh, and then his friend started laughing at me and pointed at his buddy and goes, he's a chemist. And I, I was sitting there going, okay, now I have to explain organic metals to a chemist because <laughs> I've had this conversation with people who have been educated in our lovely universities um, and not told, you know, the difference between heavy metals and organic forms of metal. So I said, do I, I literally need to explain how metals become organic 
to you? And he goes, yeah, give us your best shot. Oh, and wow. So, Challenge accepted, sir. Very, Just very condescending attitude, right? Right. And so I said when metals are chelated up out of the ground by a plant and bonded with a carbon molecule, then they become very stable and can be burned by the mitochondria, which is the furnace of the cell, and, and used as fuel to generate energy in the cell. And all he said to me, all he came back with was, um, okay, I, I'll agree that things can be bonded with a carbon molecule. And that's all he could come back with. Oh, really? Thought, that was his rebuttal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had a degree? So, that metals can yeah. be bonded? Uh -huh. You mean like that metals can be bonded with a carbon molecule? molecule? So, that's, so that he just, but he was not, he was not fully admitting, you know, in front of everybody at this digital currency meeting. Uh, okay, that he, all right. That, that he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and so chemist degree the, versus guy that's been being punched in the head for 40 years. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Common well, sense when, wins well, again. That, that's just, oh, uh, well, that's just another proof that a piece of paper doesn't mean that you are smarter than anybody else. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, can, well. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, look, there are people that have... Um, amazing memories and they can repeat what they've been taught, right? Yep. They can I would agree. take tests, take tests and do great on those tests. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, it's, it's what you're fed. And if you're willing to go beyond what you're fed and question your own beliefs, and the only way that we're ever going to grow as people is if we question our own beliefs. And it's not, absolutely it's not, it's yes. definitely not, for the, it's not for the faint of heart. Nope. Um, because I've had to, you know, admit to myself that I've been wrong a million fucking times about a million different things. Yeah. And, Every damn day, you know, it seems like. Yep. And it's just part of the process, yeah. you know, and um, well, that's just the way it is. And so I wish people were more prone to do that, you know, and I think also having spent kind of a lifetime in, you know, wrestling and, and kickboxing and fighting and martial arts in general, you have to analyze your opponent, but you also have to analyze yourself and where your weak points are and what, you know, I ask fighters when I do broadcasting, I'll say, what is your opponent? You know, if your, your, your opponent's coaches and him are talking and what have they trained probably the most, uh, to beat you? What do you think? Uh, what do you think their game plan is to beat you? And they're like, well, I didn't really think of that. We just think of game plan on how to beat them. Right. Right. And, uh, so, then it would force a fighter to reflect on their own weakness and, um, and then say, you know, this is probably what they're planning on doing. So um, when we do that and we game plan against people and we basically are analyzing our enemy, so to speak, it, it makes us look at not what is happening, but why is it happening in the world and who, who could possibly be benefiting from this, these chain of events that are taking place. And so that's what leads us down that road of, you know, admitting to ourselves that the world is not run by benevolent beings. It, it's uh, some some pretty nasty characters. Sure, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, A, nobody is a benevolent being, right? right no no right. human. And then B, these ones are particularly nasty. Yeah, particularly um, <laughs> evil. Yeah. <laughs> They, uh, uh, yeah. they, they, they are in clubs that the rest of us would would uh, want to throw up attaining, right? I mean, right. 
like it's, like we're at the livestock auction and <laughs> well i mean they're even, the ones bidding <laughs> i mean even the cremation of care right the bohemian grove that that ceremony they're burning an effigy of a child well maybe an effigy right and well and, and the, the, the fact that you know we sit there and we think about um just the the um the times through history that they have you know i mean we look at uh weapons of mass destruction that took us into iraq yep we look we right. look at the gulf, gulf of tonkin that yep. cost a million uh, a million vietnamese their lives there we you go you know there's 58,000 American lives. So yep. these are the types of people that, you know, the same bloodlines and all that shit, you know, for eons that will create the division or the atmosphere to cause war or genocide or whatever it is. It's like, okay, we're going to allow them to breed and dig up our gold and silver for us, and then we're going to off them every you once betcha. in a while. Yeah. There we go, yeah. <laughs> well, well you, you, an excellent example is uh, World War One as well because you had cousins fighting cousins yeah and and then you know even in the midst of all of this just absolutely horrific fighting and you know mustard gas is developed and yada 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 gun yeah the the machine gun the tank all of this technology to kill germans and was it british yes it was germans and british troops during the christmas armistice they oh, found time they, to come out from their their, their uh, trenches. trenches and celebrate Christmas together one night. Yep. You know? Right. And the next yeah. day mowed oh, each so, other down. So, and then, yeah, yeah went, so we were, went back to killing we, each we, other. I went off on a tangent and got you guys down the rabbit hole. We were talking about, we yeah. were talking about um, health. And so, to anyway, Sacky back. back to Jen Sacky back. Back to the fulvicumic acid uh, uh, that people can find it. Soil saver. Yeah, you can put one teaspoon of this in a gallon of water, spray your garden with it, and six weeks later, you've got Jurassic Garden. It, it explodes all over the place. Yeah. And, you- uh, people, people will spray their gardens once a week, uh, once once every two weeks, you know, but I've seen gardens explode from one, just one application of it, and it's totally plant-based, 100% organic. Um, you know, it's OMRA certified, so it can be sold um, in Mexico, America, and Canada. Nice. And uh, so, so that that is uh, that's the the key that you know the substance has to be one hundred percent organic and didn't have to have anything added to it to call it organic. It came out of the ground that way, and and uh, so yeah, it's it's really really amazing stuff and uh, different modifications of it, um, you know, for uh, livestock um, and as well as soil uh, reclamation and then the refined. Uh, most refined version combined with organic vitamin C, which is a very good antioxidant, powerful antioxidant as well, um, and veggie cap. So that's got zero, zero chemicals or fillers or, or anything in it. So, and that's, is that, that's the super soldier. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. People can go to organic super com to find that. Okay. Okay. Organic and super then, soldier. Uh, there was another website. I think I found out, was it chemicalfreebody.com? Is that, is that a Tim, yeah, that's, Tim James? That's who I par- yeah, that's who I partnered with on this product. Okay. And uh, so, you know, all we're doing is just trying to help people understand that you, you really need to put organic nutrients into your body to give yourself a chance, you know, at the best health possible. Yeah. You know, given the, 
the amount of chemicals that we're uh, bombarded with every day in our drinking water, our food, uh, the air, you know, literally everything. And I mean, the, yeah. um, the water is, water is, you know, so valuable right now. Um, it's not that there's less water on the planet because water does not, um, evaporate and go out into space. Um, <laughs> and that, so people, I, I think that's what a lot of people think, you know, that water just disappears and goes away. It's, and there's a thousand times more, uh, fresh water underneath the ground than there is on top of it. So yes. at any, any given time in history, when lakes and rivers were totally full, there's a thousand times more water drinking, drinkable water below the surface of the earth than on top of it. And so it, it's amazing uh, that people don't understand the concept of a well anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's scary because, you know, farmers haven't been able to move a lot of their grain for quite a while because the Mississippi river is so low. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's droughts all over the place. And here's, I pose this question to, uh, 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 Professor of, psych, uh, professor of biology uh, from Iowa State University, and I said, you know, correct me if I'm not right, but in my, my theory is that because we have literally dumped so many toxic chemicals all over our soil, on our golf courses, on our lawns, on our, on our agriculture fields, um, that the soil is dying and it, it no longer holds water, as well as... You know, we look, uh, it's been going on for, I don't know, 20 years probably, uh, that I recognized it was it was absolutely insane that the, they're scraping the topsoil off of areas where they're going to build yes. subdivisions or office parks or whatever. Or industrial areas. Down, yeah, and they'll put down a couple inches of, of dirt back down on top of the clay. And so our, our, our soil is not holding water, and it's running off into streams and rivers and away from us and out into the ocean. So the evaporation rates aren't the same. Therefore, we are causing more droughts. And uh, yeah, and, 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 he, and like, here yeah, in Iowa, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, well, he was he confirmed what I was saying. He said, "Yeah, that's you're absolutely spot on with that." And, and here in Iowa, particularly in the the area uh, you're from, Quad Cities, Scott County has some of the best soil in the country. Correct? I would say had. Had, had yeah. Right, yeah, because a bunch of it was just scraped off for a Stairlight, uh, you know, Oscar Mayer and Amazon sent somewhere well, else. Yeah, and I mean, out here on Forest Grove Road, out here, uh, Middle Road and Forest Grove, they're freaking scraping all these farm fields uh, yeah. bare and piling up the black dirt off to the side. It's crazy. And it's clay, it's, and so we're literally extincting ourselves. Well, it's I, crazy. It's I sad just to said see. to somebody. The, over the past weekend, uh, I think that, uh, you know, from 74 to 80 on that stretch in, in, of the interstate in Iowa, it's going to be houses at the very least to the south. Well, and they're within within 10 years or yeah, so. Yeah, they're doing the same thing out in Iowa City. Yes, right? absolutely. You go, you go out to yes. Iowa City or Des Moines area. I mean, it's it's really sad to see all this farmland. Well, you know, none of the, all the kids went to college. They got educations. They don't want to take over the family farm anymore. That's for old people. You know, yeah, and, and it's yeah. really sad to see. And I grew up on a farm, and uh, I'm not taking it over, but w my younger brother is, and and uh, I'm here to help him. You know what I mean? And because yeah, we and need that's that, the thing. we need that. Yeah, that, that's I, what I'm trying to get through. Baby. To, yeah, and that's what I'm trying to get through to 
a lot of people in the ag industry, um, you know, they've used chemicals for so long um, that I'm trying to help them, you know, just to take a look at what we've been doing. And, you know, I was lucky to meet a gentleman that owns the Ag Solutions Network and, and California Ag Solutions, a guy by the name of Monty Bottens, who was kind enough to actually listen to me. And he's a guy that has that's grown. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's probably uh, certainly the most knowledgeable person I know in the ag industry as far as working with uh, conventional products and organic products. And they, they call it biological farming. Yeah, Biologics. I think his name's popped up in FFA a few times. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's a really really super intelligent guy, and a lot of fun to talk to. And um, uh, you know, he's done some experimenting uh, with the fulvicumic, and he's very very pleased with what it's done for his uh, food grade corn. And uh, he said that a nice. conventional farmer, a conventional farmer, would have to turn two hundred and seventy two hundred and eighty bushels an acre to make the profit he's making um, because he is saving, you know, $150 uh, an acre on inputs. Wow. He's not using, uh, with this, with this humic fulvic, you can use way less uh, NPK fertilizers. Um, you can, you know, I think it's uh, 50% or, or, or more, less. Wow. And then, uh, and then on top of that, uh, he's not using uh, fungicides. He's not using pesticides. Uh, with it, and and he's having kick-ass yields because of it. Really nice. So so it- yeah. So I can if we can save, you know, imagine a uh, a thousand acre, uh, you know, that they can save, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars on inputs that year. I mean, what's that do for their bottom line? Oh my gosh! You know? Yeah, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They'd be able to start buying <laughs> that farmland from these widows that want to save it instead of going to a freaking bank. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Holy crap. Yeah. That would be amazing. So, yeah. So that's what, you know, my goal is because I grew up, spent my summers on the family farms and stuff like that. And I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I really feel my heart's really connected to the farming industry and the families. And I know yeah. that they go through massive amounts of stress, financial stress. And, um, a lot of people are losing their farms right now and it's just, they, they drink you know, a lot of bush light. <laughs> it's true. Right. Yeah. No, keep going. Yeah, so, You're right. But yeah, I just want to. I want them to at least take a look at the at the fulvicumic that we carry because it's it's the most nutrient rich fulvicumic found on the planet right now. Nobody's found anything more nutrient rich, and um, you know it, it creates deeper root systems. Uh, so you know the plants are drought resistant. Uh, the, the plants are much healthier, so they're disease resistant That's um, because of because the naturally, the plants naturally yeah. want to fight off pe- uh, pests and diseases, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Weird. because they give up, they give up enzymes when they're healthy, uh, and they have those those proper levels of organic nutrients in them. They're going to give off enzymes that inhibit bugs from wanting to eat them. So you don't need to spray yeah. pesticides. It's on amazing them, which, how nature you know, doesn't need inputs from corporations. Weird. Weird, right? Um, instead of this yeah. pesticide that they have to spray on the on the plants, so if the bugs eat them, their uh, stomachs explode. That's safe, <laughs> safe for human livestock consumption, oh, right? Wow. Well, because here's of the course. other thing: if it's safe for livestock consumption, what are you buying at the supermarket? Right, right. Well, that's the thing that I say is, 
when I talk to people, I go, we are what we eat, and we can see that around us in America, that Americans are what they eat. Absolutely. But at the same time, um, you know, our plants are what they eat, and our, our livestock is what it, are what it eats, you know, all the way down the line to the, so what's in the soil? Um, and what's being dumped all over the soil and the crops, and, you know, there you go. Chemical nutrients, chemical pesticides. Yeah, I, um, so I grew up on a hog farm, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, when I was younger, we, uh, we started off with, like, kind of free range. We had a few nurseries or whatever, and then we just we uh, upgraded into, like, an industrial where we had four we had four four barns that held a thousand head each, right? Wow! Yeah. And uh, yeah, pretty decent operation. And these hogs, <clears throat> they started putting a substance called paline into the feed, which was essentially a steroid, but it would make these okay. things go crazy. And they and I noticed a difference. Like when I was younger, before we started this crap, yeah, they were. I mean. Hogs are pretty intelligent creatures. They're they're pretty docile. You walk through the pens; they really didn't bother you much. But then, right. when we started giving them the steroid, they would grow fast. We went from doing, I think, like two loads a year to four. Wow! Yeah, wow. yeah. that's how fast they grew them. Yeah. And you want to you want to get a hog forward, at I'm sure. around two eighty, two ninety, around that pound range, right? Okay. So you could bust out. Wow. Yeah, and it was, cr- but the hogs would go nuts, and I'm like, "Dang, what is this doing to us?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, right, right. And everybody loves bacon, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's on everything, ham and ham. Yeah, everybody gets a ham for Christmas and Thanksgiving sometimes, and you know, yeah. And, and it's just yeah. like so. You, I mean, I, I'm on board, and uh, I'm guilty of not following everything I should. You know, I like. I like Tostitos and salsa and Doritos every once in a while, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody, uh, to a certain extent, um, will eat some junk food, right? Pizza. Uh, yeah, yeah, but sure, that's why you know, but supplementing is important, right? That's where the super soldier comes in because this stuff. Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of there's a lot of really good organics out there, um, you know, that uh, that people can look into uh, to supplement their their uh, diet and assist them in, uh, you know, removing inflammation and a lot of other things. So I just tell people as much as possible, I mean, it's synthetic chemicals and heavy metals that are trapped in our cells that are causing most of the health issues in America. And you got to be putting powerful organics into your body that give you the best chance of getting that shit out of your cells and fixing your gut bacteria, you know? And so, you know, it's just, so with, with, uh, with the synthetic chemicals and heavy metals causing health issues, and then we go to, you know, so-called health uh, authorities that we put our trust in, and they write us prescriptions for more synthetic chemicals. It just makes it... I don't see how anybody doesn't see through that. And then offer us vaccines and all that. Well, and the drugs. I mean, big pharma is big money, man. I mean, like, just listening to the advertisements. I mean, they're on YouTube. You can't get away from them. Uh, Side effects may include... Explosive diarrhea. Yeah. Thoughts of suicide. Right. Yeah. Thoughts of suicide. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, murdering your family. Uh, you know, like just craziness. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, dude. Why would I want to put that in my freaking body? You know? Right, right. 
Yeah, I, I was very crazy. fortunate where I had a, a doctor at uh, at the VA for like seven years where she had her degree in holistic me- uh, medicine. She couldn't okay. prescribe me anything, but she could recommend stuff for me to go to the vitamin shop and pick up and stuff. And and you know what? It was best treatment ever. I mean, I had a torn meniscus that I was, I was hobbling around on, and uh, tart cherry extract is what she recommended. Helps rebuild, okay. rebuild like uh, ligament tissue or whatever. You know what? When I went and got my next CAT scan, whatever, MRI, they said, like, yeah, uh, oh, there's scar tissue here, but, yeah, you're you're all good to go. I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Uh, I don't have pain there in my knee anymore. It doesn't feel like somebody's hitting me in the knee with a ball-peen hammer. (laughs) Worked for you, huh? It worked, yeah. And uh, ever since then, I mean, she was awesome. Unfortunately, she moved away. I don't think she was – I don't think the VA liked her very much. But I would, I, yeah, I, and that's the thing is a hundred years ago when Rockefeller donated a bunch of money to prestigious medical schools yep, and told them to change their doctrine and their books and all of that and do away with all the, um, knowledge gained over thousands of years about different plants and mushrooms and roots and stuff that actually allowed yes. for human health to mm-hmm. flourish and, and then start, you know, prescribing petroleum based pills to people. I, I just, I don't know, it's maddening, man. And it's very sad that, that mankind is, has gone this long uh, down this road of, of uh, misinformation. But I think there's a lot of people that are waking up, and that's why a lot of the things that are happening, because they don't want us to all wake up at once, because that's going to be know. really bad. No. That, yeah. That's happened in the past before, and it's caused, you know, They'd be out of revolutions. Instantly. Caused your daughters to get bayoneted, right? Right, so, right, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, let's go down a rabbit hole real quick before the end here. I personally believe fallen angels were released back on the earth, the ones that were chained up. And when you think about it, this is like wormwood, right? The whole earth, or a third of the earth was poisoned. But they did it in a way where we poison ourselves. We like it, you know? Yeah. Think about the tobacco yeah. companies. So the supply chain we spoke about earlier. Was there a disruption in the liquor, marijuana, and tobacco supply chains? No. Of course not. <laughs> no? Because that makes right. you docile and happy. Well, I often like to say that Orwell got it wrong in 1984 because we are buying the captivity. We're oh, yeah. buying the technology that captivates us. And the, and to, it's not being imposed upon us. Dude, and they're getting us into right. the virtual reality. It's so much more cooler than real life. Yeah. No, dude. The real world is so much more amazing than people freaking even know. Literally. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's, um, yeah, they control the information. They control what, what people learn and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, uh, like I said, they, they create the atmosphere for I mean, God gives us free will, right? And so Absolutely. we're given we're given the choice on um, what we're going to put in our body, uh, who we're going to hang out with, what music we listen to, um, yep. what type of TV shows we're going to watch, what information we allow in, um, and whether we are going to question the information, and um, and also allow for division. And so, mankind through our free will and, and own choices end up. You know, doing horrible things to each other many times, and it's, I just tell people that's that's got to stop. And just uh, you know, think for yourself for once. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, I think Jesus said that garbage in is garbage out, right? I mean, if you're putting garbage in your body, whether it's through visual 
sound uh, through your ingestion, right? I mean, you're going to get what comes out of that. Like, I, I just recently, last year, uh, started changing my diet and changing what I put into my body. And I didn't, I mean, holy crap, I, I can wake up in the morning. I mean, I mean, I've been hitting the gym and everything. I can wake up in the morning and not feel sore except for muscle fatigue, which I know what, you know, that's good for me. But everything else, my joints don't hurt. My back doesn't hurt like it used to and stuff just because I've been strengthening my body and changing my diet. And, uh, I mean, it's amazing what the human body is capable of. Because when you think about it, all these poisons we put into ourselves, the body is still just trying to survive, right? And Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's so important what we put into it. And uh, so... I'm, I'm, uh, like I said, I did the fulvic acid when it was with black oxygen. I was really pleased with, uh, with, uh, you know, the repairs basically that happened on my body. So I, I'm, I'm going to get some of the super soldier. And, um, I also have, I have teenagers. So like at what, like what would be a good age that we can start giving this uh, to our kids? Cause obviously I want my children to be freaking healthy and getting, the best nutrients they can, especially with all the crap they feed them at high school. And, and well, I can tell you this is what parents should be doing right now is definitely creating, making lunches for your children. Okay. Um, do not, do not feed them public school, uh, food. Um, across the country, parents have had their children bag that, uh, their school lunches up and bring them home. And then they take them to labs and have them tested. And there's so many, nasty chemicals and soy and a bunch of other stuff in their food. That is terrible. That you don't, you don't want your kids eating that garbage from, from public school system. So, um, that's, that's for starters. Um, uh, my, my youngest daughter who's nine now has been drinking, uh, fulvic humic acid, only the 100% organic and plant-based humic fulvic acid. Um, and, and she's got perfect health for 20 year old sister and her, 18-year-old sisters, all three of them um, have never had any, like, I mean, any serious illness whatsoever. They've had nothing more than a cough That's in their awesome. entire lives um, because I'm constantly trying to um, make sure that they are getting the best organic nutrients in their bodies. And that's that's something that, you know, I even said to my school board here that's absolutely insane and the laughing stock of the nation um <laughs> if there weren't so many school boards like them yeah. here in Bethlehem, iowa where they're you know this this massive um uptick in you know autism now it used to be one in five thousand boys now it's one in 36 and climbing fast that is an um, incredible yeah that's increase it, that is it's, it's it's insane and then you know, the destruction of testosterone and estrogen levels in boys and girls. Proven. So these, so these kids and their gut bacteria is all destroyed as well from the food yeah. that they're putting in them. So they, so they are suffering from so much confusion uh, from hormonal level destruction to stomach issues to mental, um, you know, all these things that uh, uh, crimes against humanity are being, you know, committed. And then you've yeah. got school boards that are, that are saying that's, uh, you know, celebrate transgenderism, uh, which will eventually lead to literally children being carved up and physically altered by these Dr. Frankenstein. And me speaking out against this stuff uh, gets me labeled as a hater and stuff when in reality the crimes that are being committed against children 
by these people and who are going along with it and not speaking out against it um, are guilty of, of all these crimes. And so I'm telling parents, if you want your child to develop correctly, you better do some research on organic nutrients and get them in your child as they develop. Otherwise, you could end up with a real serious situation on your hands. So that's that's some solid advice, sure. Because I'm guilty of letting my kids eat at the the, the school cafeteria, so I'm going to be uh, sending some lunches home with them from now on. Um, well, and think, I mean, we do, and you know, think about it. So my nine year old, for uh, gosh, well, it was a couple couple uh, couple summers ago. So she would like to go to the grocery store with me, and. Every great once in a while, I would break and I'd get her a donut, right? Yeah. And we all do. I don't, it. We're dads. And I don't, yeah. And I don't <laughs> eat, I won't eat donuts. We're daughters. Yeah. yeah. So I won't eat donuts. Yeah. I don't eat that uh, crap either anymore. Yeah. So, but um, I said to her, I, I, I would get in, have, you know, you'd end up in these arguments with a, a, an emotional seven year old at the time. And freaking out because she's not getting a donut. And finally, I said to her, and it worked out perfect for me. We're in my truck. She's sitting behind me. And I said, I'm not buying you donuts because I love you too much to feed that to you. I will not do that to you. Um, I, w- I will not poison my own child. And she's you know, kind of starting to listen now um, because I'm telling her, I don't want to do that to somebody that I love so much. And so, wow, yeah. And, and, at that exact time, a lady comes walking by my truck dressed in a purple outfit that's way bigger than Barney, right? <laughs> wow. And so this lady is very obese. And I said, you know, and ultimately, honey, I don't want you to look like that when you get older. That's why I'm not giving you donuts. And so, you know, we've been able to do the parfaits with yogurt and strawberries and yeah. stuff like that, you know, for her, for her wanting sweet stuff and things. Um, you know, and, and kind of get her thinking a little bit differently and thinking about her own health. And that's the way we have to educate kids. And so many parents out there have never had to or looked into how to take care of their own health so that they don't have to go to the doctor constantly, right? Right. Right. Well, and so if they don't know, they're not going to teach their kids because they don't know. Right. And right. many Americans, I mean, I was with uh, my friends at uh, one of the grocery stores in the area. Uh, it's a veteran-owned um, um, supplement company that, you know, you guys uh, remember Kevin. Oh, uh, yeah, um, so, Downrange, Downrange Supplements. Yep. yep. Yeah, so great guy. And so I'm out there uh, at, at one of the grocery stores with him, a couple of them I did, and I'm watching the customers walk through the gro- grocery store, and literally 9 out of 10 are obese. And I'm going, holy shit. I mean, that's getting worse. And yeah, um, had one guy walked past, and Kevin said, to a guy, he goes, "Hey, um, do you do you want a free sample of anything?" And the guy pats his stomach. He's fat, and he goes, "Nope, I like being I like being fat just the way I am." And he goes, "That's what I enjoy. It's a happy life." And Kevin, after the guy walked away, just said, "Doesn't seem like happiness to me, bro." You know? <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. Well, you know what? I'll tell you, as a guy that struggled with my weight my whole life, he's not really. He says that to himself and out loud. But in no. real, real reality, he yeah. feels like shit, dude. Of course. That guy would love to have a fucking six-pack. Well, you feel right, better right. when you do. <laughs> dude, so, yeah, you really yeah. do. When you get all that nasty fat off you, yeah. you feel amazing. It doesn't take many days. It doesn't, re- I mean, it takes like 
24 hours to but, eat well and start feeling better. But here's the other problem, though. A lot. I mean, it's like the Burger King generation. You heard yeah. that before, right? Yeah. Any way you want yeah. it. I yeah, want it absolutely. now, too. We're the fast food generation. I want it now. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what yeah. I've had to tell people before, like, dude, you, you, it took you years to put that weight on. It might take you years to take it off. And you have to be okay with that. You have to just keep driving forward, and and, and you you will feel better, you know? <clears throat> when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, I was in the best shape of my life, even though I was drinking hard after I got back from my deployment in Afghanistan. <laughs> but I still, like, looking back at it, like, I don't know how I even, if I wasn't in shape and, and you know, running and doing all the shit that I was doing, there's no way, like, right now, if like I was a bad alcoholic. I'll tell you, I was cashing a bottle of rum every night. <laughs> okay. Wow. It was rough, but I would stay up till midnight drinking and wake up at five in the morning and go PT, run five miles, puke it all that's... out. And be like, man, I feel great. <laughs> it was insane. But that's just another uh, testament to the human body. Like just, you know, cause it, Granted, military food's not the best, but they do actually try to make make sure they're they're getting nutrients. Except oh, for the MREs, the MREs are just straight carbs and sugar. Like that, right. that's such trash for your body. You know, <clears throat> you ever seen that meme? It said uh, MREs are pain leaving the body. <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> yeah, that's true, dude. When you know you eat MREs for like a week straight, you're gonna find out. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's no, good, it's, it's not I, good for your body. I, right, I've had I've had a few MREs, and they're definitely not not a delicatessen, that's for sure. And uh, and then uh, we used to have My Patriot Supply that sponsored our old podcast. And while that food is edible, um, it's not something you'd want to live off of. Yeah, that's uh, like the I mean, 25, a, 25 year shelf life stuff, right? Yeah, but you know now. Uh, the company that um, I tell you what's really good is a company called Thrive Life, and okay. and that's that's who's sponsoring my show, and I sell that. So people can go to thrivelife dot com uh, backslash PJ Militich, and they can order um, the food very well off okay. of there. And yeah. uh, and it's twenty it's a twenty five year shelf life, but it's flash frozen. It's grown. I mean, this stuff's amazing. It's it is very very. Very high quality food. Oh, nice, awesome, and it's, and you said it's, so. It's grown, so it's got the because uh, okay. Flash freezing is the best way to preserve. It is the best way. Well. They found this out right. back in you know the early what nineteen hundreds, whatever. Know. You know this technology's right. been around for a long time. So uh, also, what a lot of people don't know is vine ripened fruits and vegetables are way better for you. Because they get all the, they get like the eight essential, what was it, nitroglutrients that come out of being vine ripened, correct? Right, right. And yeah, then, yeah. But the crap that they pick from the grocery store that you get, they pick that when it's still green. And it and it turns red because of all the sure. chlorophyll. Yeah, it's more like borophyll that leaves <laughs> it on its shipping Right when it's coming halfway across the dang on country, yeah. by the time it gets to your supermarket, that's why it tastes like a green tomato when you freaking cut it up and, it's, and try to eat it. It's GMO to yeah. do that, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So people want to look at the PLU numbers on uh, produce and get the ones that um, start with a nine. Oh, really? The, the there's a PLU code four or five uh, different numbers, and the threes and fours 
uh, were conventionally grown with uh, <clears throat> with uh, herbicides and pesticides and all that sort of stuff. And um, true organics are are a nine. Uh, the the PLU code will start with the number nine. Is oh, that wow. just like on the sticker, like right on the fruit? Uh, yeah, you can look at it, and it generally will be on there, um, on uh, somewhere on the on the uh, produce. Wow, I did not know that. Sweet, that's awesome. awesome. Actually, I didn't know a lot of stuff. You 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 really educated the crap yeah. out of us tonight. We, uh, dude. You learn something new every day, and we learned a lot more than that. Today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to look forward to the editing process where I can listen to this again, so I can download some more information. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, we will. Uh, if you can send us some links. Um, uh, to your website, I'll put it in the description for the. We can do the soil saver, the organic super soldier, and then just plug it right now too. Yeah, and then um, the uh, what was the food one? The twenty five year shelf life. Uh, Thrive Life. Thrive Life. Dot com backslash uh, PJ Military. I'll send you. <clears throat> I'll send you all those links though. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you could, that'd be awesome. So, I'll put it in the description so people can come look it up and stuff, and then um, I'll send them. Uh, I'll I'll put the link in there for. Uh, yeah, if you could send me for the the sus- subscription link for your um, podcast, I'll put that in there too. Okay. And I'll even I'll throw in a link for the Spotify one too, so people can check out the the freebies that you got because. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it's good that. stuff, man. No, because I really like it, dude. It's awesome because not only I love your guys' motto where it's strengthening. The, the body, mind, spirit, everything, right? You guys you guys dive into it all, and which are pillars of being a human being. There you go. You, you know, like yeah. you talked about before, guys need to learn their weaknesses and strengthen them. I mean, that's how people operate in general. It doesn't matter what the subject is. If you're weak in something, if you, you want to prov- you know become better in it, you learn, right? Right, right. Yeah, and that's... Again, like I say, you know, it's it's just uh, questioning your own belief system and asking why, you know, what's causing, you know, all the all the pain in your uh, physical being. You know, why are you constantly in pain? Why can't you walk correctly? Why are you overweight? Why are you know all these yeah. different things? And, and just taking little baby steps towards, you know, learning what what you know you really should be putting in your body and and um, you know go for start start by walking you know just go for walks you know things like that and get get yourself moving a little bit and that helps a lot absolutely uh, with baby steps mood yeah. other things so it's yeah i mean just all we can do is try and <clears throat> i am certainly not without fault i have been through a lot of, of ups and downs in my life and, all of and, us and, uh, you're human yeah. every yeah. single one of us it also helps right, like right. you know what you put in your mind too and if you uh turn it to the traditional stuff on your television at night and trust them for information, you can trust that you will not get good information. Unfortunately. So right. That's poisoned so many people's yeah. minds. We're living in the middle of it. But Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so we would not be in the situation we're in today um, had uh, had everybody just ignored what, uh, what they were telling them to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't believe what's in front of their own eyes, you know? But anyways, hey, man, uh, it's been a real honor to have you on our show. We really appreciate it. Hey, can't thank you enough for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it a lot. And uh, 
You guys have a great evening. All hey, right. man. Uh, yeah, we definitely, like I said, send me those links, and we will uh, we'll get them put on the description so everybody can go check out your stuff, and and uh, we can all be be educated, strengthen our own weaknesses. What, what did the Bible say? Iron sharpening iron, right? There we go. Yep. Right. Oh. And text me. Shoot me a text real quick. I'm looking. Now I'm just going through here. Anyway, yeah, text me real quick, and I'll fire all that stuff back to you. Okay. All right, man. All right. All right, thanks. Cheers. All right. Thanks okay, again, Pat. Hey, yeah, thank you. Bye. Thanks, bye.